Welcome to the Social Chameleon Show, where it's our goal to help you learn, grow, and transform into the person you want to become. Today, I'm talking with Evan Knox. Evan is the founder of Caffeine Marketing and a small business investor. Caffeine Marketing makes profitable marketing easy for small companies. As an investor, Evan helps small companies double and sometimes even triple their bottom line. Uh, we, 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 we do talk a lot uh, about marketing, um, the things that are happening, things that we're uh, he's seeing, maybe even I can say we we're seeing right now um, in this uh, post COVID nineteen type of environment. Uh, he, we, we get into a lot of, of of things kind of around that people and uh, investing. Uh, we, we cover quite. A, quite a wide range of things. I hope there's something in here that's really going to help a lot of you people, especially in this um, post-COVID-19 type of times where you know, things are uncertain, things are different, and, and the way he's thinking about things and working through things and making things happen. Without further ado and, and more rambling, please enjoy this conversation with Evan. Evan, welcome to the Social Community Show. It's been a, a long time coming, I feel like. It's, I'm excited to talk with you. Uh, your areas of expertise and the things you're into I'm interested in that. Not only usually I am, but more so with the current climate environment and things. I'm interested to see what's going on in your world and 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 hopefully help the listeners uh, gain some insight from your experience and the things that's going on in the front lines in your businesses. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm uh, excited to chat today as well, and I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, no problem, no problem at all. So, uh, of all the things I was reading um, about about you and about your company and some of that, the thing I kept seeing was this, this phrase or this, this sentiment of uh, help owners like my dad and my grandpa, where, yeah. what's the story there? What's that about? Can we kind of get into that a little bit? Absolutely. And it's funny today, I was actually talking to my grandfather on the phone, maybe an hour and a half, two hours ago. Uh, he's 88 years old. So uh, he's pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's made it this far. Yeah. Um, so but I grew up going to his store. So my dad was a business owner. My, my granddad obviously was a business owner as well. Um, and my great grandfather was a, an entrepreneur. So I just kind of grew up around that as normal to me. And I would always go to the store, my grandfather owned that jewelry store. And I would go to work with him on the weekends and he would pull me aside. He'd teach me stuff. And my dad actually had an office out of my grandfather's office as well. And so I get to spend a lot of time with my family, which is really cool. And then fast forward to about four years ago, um, I had been working at a nonprofit and I was doing marketing there. And my dad had passed away during that season, which was obviously super unfortunate. And my grandfather was looking at retiring. And I thought, you know what? I can't help my dad anymore because he's no longer with us. But I can help other small business owners like him and like my grandfather um, to help them grow their company with this marketing skill set that I have. So uh, that's why I decided to start Caffeine Marketing. What, what was it you're seeing that was that you, that people needed help? What was your grandfather needing or missing or your dad? And like, what was that need you were looking to fill? So most entrepreneurs and business owners, they just throw money on the wall, hoping something will stick. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is crazy. Yeah. Um, I'd say 95% of small business owners are you know guilty of that at least. And so what, what ends up happening is that you end up getting some success. You really playing a lottery. You hear TikTok ads are, are on the up and coming or Instagram ads, or that you should have this specific type of website or a chatbot on your website. And so there's always some thing, some tool, and they throw stuff on the wall, they throw money at it, a project, whichever. And um, it some work, some don't, but yeah. you can't really scale your company that way. Because if you don't know how, if you don't have a partner or you don't have an agency, 
um, or you don't have the skill set yourself to design a marketing funnel and actually do it to where it's scalable, you're going to have a hard time growing and scaling your business. So I just saw my dad um, and my granddad really stay at that small business level because, and honestly, really successful small business, but stayed there um, mainly because they didn't know how to scale a company because they didn't know how to leverage a marketing funnel. So um, what, what I'm hearing kind of you say is something I also see is that everybody wants the tactics. Nobody wants necessarily to develop yeah. a strategy or they're not developing a strategy. Is that accurate? Yeah. And it's almost like they want a push button solution, which honestly, I can't blame you on. I mean, yeah. I, want, I want all kinds of, I want to pay somebody a certain amount of like, for example, we're, um, we're closing on a home like in a few days right. and the, I'm going to have a contractor come out and build an additional room. I don't want to think about anything. I don't, I don't want to have to think about plans and city permits, all stuff. I just want to pay this guy money and I want it to happen. Right. Um, business owners want the same thing to grow their company, but yet there are so many options out there for them to waste their money on um, or okay options that are not going to deliver the return on investment that they need, that they end up not being able to scale their company, wasting a lot of money. And then often what happens is that they actually try something and it's not the right thing. And then they're scarred. And they're afraid to invest more back in their business. And so then they stay there because they have the scarcity mentality. Yeah, no, I, I heard a lot of that too. Uh, that's what is like the, the fly by night kind of guys, the guys looking to kind of get rich mm -hmm. and they're, they're, they're like praying. I, I don't like that word, but I can't think of anything else right now. Praying sure. these small business owners and these things like, you know, I took a course on something that used to work a few months ago that I bought yeah. a course on. Now I'm going to go sell uh, all the people in, in my neighborhood. Uh, Hopefully I can get a few hundred bucks. You know, this, I'm sure you've seen these yeah. sales pitches and these stuff. And yeah, and I, I don't know how many people I've talked to. And, and that's the thing. I don't know if you experienced it, but I have experienced it where you sort of got to, you got to convince these people like, listen, I'm not that guy. I'm, yeah, I don't want to do sure. those things. I'm not like that. Like, let me kind of talk with you about it. And, and that, that kind of is a hurdle. Uh, I found this hard to get through. How about you? Yeah. So there, I have a great example of this. Uh, there's another, so often my agencies really, we're really good at paid advertising. And okay. so other agencies will actually white label our services. So yeah. we'll do it for the client um, as part of their team, which is totally great. And what the guy who we were in conversations with, who was in the agency, he said, well, my current ad guy, um, I'm not sure my clients could afford it. You know, I'm, we're, we're spending a couple thousand, you know, we're spending a couple hundred dollars per month or a thousand dollars per month, whatever the amount was. And I, in that moment, I thought to myself, well, if your ads are working, why are you not scaling? Because yeah. if you're able to get a four X return on investment or a three and a half return on investment, then you should be spending more and more money every single month because it's basically a machine that you've built. Because once you've built the marketing funnel and you've got the advertising right, now you're just putting, it's a push button solution like we were talking about. Every right. dollar I put in, I'm getting $4 back. And yeah. you know, say you've got 50% margin on that. So you end up making $2 net, which is really great. Mm -hmm. um, so as we look at all that, I see a lot of people who are in this situation where they're paying that monthly retainer or they're in a long-term contract and they're stuck and they're, they're burnt. And that's partially why we don't actually have any long-term contracts. We only do a 60-day um, you know, notice basically so that we can pivot our resources in our own team. But I agree. I mean, I've seen so many businesses that have been stuck with something like, again, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to hate on SEO here because no, let's, SEO let's is, talk through is this so people are aware or, or, or whatever. Yeah. These things are happening. And I like the, 
you and I, we've seen this and we can, we can bring awareness. We can let people know like what's happening. It's okay. And how to get past it. Yes. And there's totally kind of like what you're saying. There are people who are really good at what they do. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I, an example of this right now would be a brand agency, Mm -hmm. an agency that focuses mostly on aesthetics and less on strategy. Right. I really, I've got friends that run those agencies. They're amazing people. Yeah. And you know, there's, they're going to, you know, we're going to make a product that's really beautiful and pretty and it's designed well, but they are next level. Like they're going to win awards. They are just, you know, above and beyond really good, but you may not get the same return on investment with them as you would with us. So you have to kind of trade it off. It's like, where are you at in the stage of your company? Do you need a, you know, a quicker direct return on investment right now? Or do you want to invest 30 to $50,000 in redoing your brand? And that's not a bad thing. That actually does need to happen. It's just at what stage is that the right thing for you? And that could be honestly really intimidating for people to navigate. But the example that I was going to say a second ago is um, SEO. So search engine optimization. It is really hard to tell the people who are legit in that space from the ones that are selling snake oil. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm SEO is very technical. Um, yes. And I, for a while, was like, all right, I'm just going to hire somebody to do that, et cetera. And eventually I thought, you know what, if, if I have clients, if whoever want the service, which we don't offer that service, um, I need to master this. And even if the client just said, Hey, can, do you have something you recommend? I want to, I want to know this. So I spent several months getting really, really good at search engine optimization so that I could have an intelligent conversation about it. And then realized, you know, 75% of them are selling snake oil. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that they even intend that, you know, I think that they, yeah. they want to get good results. Most of them. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. It's tough to be a business owner and navigate that. So I really, um, if people can find a partner or an agency to trust and they can deliver a return on investment, it's a really good thing. Yeah. That SEO thing. It's, it's tough. Cause, uh, you know, today things that are working and things that are happening tomorrow are penalties and, and, and you can, just ruin your company, ruin your website. Uh, I, I know a guy, I mean, he, I think his minimum is $25,000 to fix your site. Wow. And yeah. I mean, he's one of the best in the nation as, as far as what I hear and what I, what I know about him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it goes, just goes up from there. And uh, right. it's still, I, I personally stay away from that. I, um, you know, it's tough, it, but to me, when people come to me now talking about SEO and it's, it's like all these buzzwords and things like that. And, and whatnot. And you know, what I let them know is like, what I want to talk about or what I want to do is let's talk about strategy. Let's talk about these yeah. different kind of things. Let's, let's get your foundation, right? How are you talking about those types of conversations? People come to you with these things. How are you walking through like this brand? Like you're talking about this brand thing. Like, you know, someone's like, Oh, everybody's talking about personal branding. Everybody's talking about branding. And how are you walking through and saying, listen, you're not there or you are there. Like what, what are your criteria? How are you walking people through that? I think you just have to start off by understanding what is the person's needs and where they're at in their, in their company. So in our initial intake session, and this is not at all a pitch, I'll get to know the details of the company, you know? So I'm like, okay, what's your annual revenue? What is each customer worth to you? How much are you spending on paid advertising? What is your existing marketing funnel look like? And we had to have all of those factors in to go, okay, is the best decision right now to brand, like to rebrand your entire company um, is that the thing that's going to deliver you the best return on investment or is it building out the rest of your sales funnel? 95% of the time it's building up the rest of your sales funnel. I have one company right now that, um, we're actually, this is less of a, um, what do you call it? A client and more of a partnership. So there's going to be like an equity share involved oh, here. Cool. And 
they're like above a million dollars in revenue. You know, I think they're at two plus or something like that. They have marketing systems in place where they struggle is their overall brand aesthetic. It does not match the quality of their product. The quality of their product is top, you know, amazing. I don't want to really reveal too much because it might sure, be who they are, but, um, but they're really good. Like it, they, what they offer is really, really solid. Um, it's beautiful. It's a solid product. Um, uh, but their marketing does not look the part at all. Um, you know, all their social media posts are out, like they look outdated. Um, they look old school, their logo needs a refresh, all the brand colors are outdated. So for them, you know, that actually might be the most profitable return on investment from the get go. So it really depends, but for most small companies, it's, Hey, maintain a minimum modern, clean look in your company and your social media. Don't overthink that part and focus on building a marketing funnel that's actually working. Yeah. Sales cures everything. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. You got the right, um, you got the right process in place. If you can just have enough people to put into the funnel, you know, solve a lot of problems there. Like I'm personally, uh, I'm not great at closing. Um, or even I'm just very aware of this. Like, you know, I get on the phone. I, we've got a pretty fair amount of leads coming in. My close rate is not great. You know, I mean, because I'm pretty, I'm like, hey, if you're not a good fit, you're not a good fit. And what I tell people ends up not being a good fit. So, but just the sheer amount of leads makes up for that for us. You know, what I mean, so you're you're right. So if you got too many leads, you know what to do with, then you can kind of suffer in sales. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like that. So I'm very I'm very picky. I'll tell people, hey, listen, this is not going to work. I'm not I'm not your guy. Uh, yeah, it's 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 the good and the bad of that. Um, along those lines, thing, things are changing rapidly right now um as the time yeah. we're recording this what is this june 18th uh, we're possibly at the tail end of the COVID 19 type of stuff which really in the way i'm looking at it is it exposed a ton of weakness if you mm. were the type of business um that either was outdated like you were just kind of on the brink of of staying open anyway um you're, you're you know you've got to rethink that or if your profit margins are slim like restaurants and type of things that just inherently that's just the way it is kind of thing um you've got to rethink that uh or or if you're just a regular other type of business and your margins were thin or your sales or whatever weren't all that great you've got to rethink these things um what are you seeing that either wasn't working and is working now or 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 vice versa things that weren't working weren't working before working out, you know, in those lines, what are you seeing in that realm? Yeah. So I guess a couple of thoughts come to mind. First, I would recommend two books, but it's guy named Mike McCallowitz for this whole conversation that, um, you know, I've got some of my, my peers and teams reading one is profit first, okay. super critical. Um, second one is clockwork by Michael Callowitz as well. Um, shout out to Mike, if you ever listen to this one day. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so he's got those two awesome books. They're uh, amazing. They're going to be really helpful, I think, to navigate the season. And as we, and I, I recommend those really because it's going to help you build more margin in your products and services and help you scale your company to remove yourself from the system in the process. So a lot of, there's a different, there's many different types of companies right now. And hopefully this can answer this question. But there's the companies that are just suffering right now and have, have a ton of credit, have earned debt, are month to month. Um, this is a really, really hard time for them. And they had already needed to be thrifty. Now is especially that time. And so a lot of what that person needs to do is cut as many expenses as possible, rethink their business model, and take some pretty dramatic moves because it's kind of 
you know, move now or it, it ends. So there's that. Um, and most of our clients luckily are not in that scenario, but I've got friends and family actually who are in that scenario, which is unfortunate. And if we go over to, there's two other types of companies that in this season, I think are really interesting. One is the one that has, um, cash resources. So another jewelry, exa- jewelry store example, which is not really into my family at all. They have plenty of cash on hand right now. They've done very well the past couple of years. Um, it's time for them to use this season to reinvest back into their company to do all that branding stuff like we talked about. Right. Even though people are not coming in the doors, they will eventually. And so let's build them a brand new Shopify in a Shopify site. You know what I mean? Let's redo their brand. And that project, you know, from not that specific thing, but if you include everything else they should be doing, that could be 30 to 50 grand over the course of a couple of months right. to get everything refreshed and redone. That company is going to be way stronger when everything gets back to, you know, quote, normal. Right, right. The other one is a company that's still getting by right now and has low cash resources, but has like high human capital. And I think they have a great potential to pivot their existing resources with people and have them do things that they may not have been um, their initial skill set. So one is a, a fly fishing guide business, for example. Um, if you have a bunch of fly fishing guides in the season, and I'm saying this mainly because um, I kind of play in that space a little bit. Yeah. They... They couldn't guide, right? Because there's a shelter in place order for Georgia. Couldn't guide, couldn't bring people out. However, guides could still write blogs. Yeah. They could still write articles. They could still record videos. They themselves could go out on a trip, you know, and record a video. All of those things, you would redeploy the existing human resources you have to set yourself up better for success later. And we mentioned SEO earlier. They're gonna be, you know, hopefully you could pivot them to write blogs or you know, create YouTube videos, something like that, or guest write blogs and get backlinks. What's so those the, are kind of the three different types yeah. of businesses that I'm thinking of right now. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I what for the person out there that's in some one of these buckets, how would you suggest they they kind of start thinking and maybe formulating like what are what are the areas maybe that I'm not doing or I could be doing or I never thought of like how how can we think through this? What's what's maybe the the checklist or the trying trying to trying to formulate my thought here? You know, you kind of get what I'm saying. Like, what what are, what what can we go through yeah. to 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 start to think, start to generate ideas, start to get into that mode of my business is this. You haven't talked about it. I haven't talked about it. Whatever. But there's a few things we can start thinking about to start making out areas that I could be capitalizing on. Maybe I never thought of, or I'm lacking in, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So I'm going to share one that you could go get on our website. Again, this is Perfect. download it and unsubscribe. Totally fine with me. Don't really care. <laughs> I'll link all um, this in the show notes for you guys. So it's real easy to get to. Sweet. Um, so it's called how to build a winning sales funnel and it'll teach you exactly step-by-step how to build a sales funnel. And it's on you know both of my websites. Um, just download that. Again, like I said, you'd unsubscribe immediately afterwards if you want. But that literally is going to give you tons of ideas on how to look at your existing sales funnel and your marketing um, and build it from there. It's like Legos, super easy. The other thing that I would do is I would list out all of your expenses for the past year, every single expense. And I would go through and I would mark, does that expense um, directly generate revenue to your bottom line? Like does that, whatever that is, um, you know, that software that you have, uh, that office space that you own or, you know, or leasing, what, any, what, whatever that is, write every single one of those out and then decide, does that, you know, 
directly return back to your bottom line. If it does, you can leave it. If it doesn't, you either need to trash it or trim that expense and go, okay, do I really need that right now? No, I don't. X that out. Or, and then this is kind of an easy example here, but like, let's say you're paying Verizon $120 per month for two phone lines. You could switch to T-Mobile or Sprint and really you're using Wi-Fi most of the day and you're going to save 60 bucks. I know that's kind of small, but that honestly is going to help you run a healthier business. And if you want to sell your business one day, it's all about your profit per month. And every little bit counts and you're basically multiplying it by four to six, um, depending on what kind of company you have. So if you want to sell your company that 40 to you know, $50, let's say $50 per month, and then do that over the course of a year. That's six hundred dollars. And then do six hundred times four to sit. Or I'm going to do five. So you've got six hundred times five. It would be three thousand. Um, forgive me here. Okay. What is? I'm going to grab my calculator right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So six hundred times uh, five. So three thousand. Okay. So you might think, oh, that's just the difference between you know, Verizon, whatever, it's just 60 bucks a month. But if you got to sell your company, that could be the additional $3,000 in your pocket one day when you're trying to sell your company based off of valuation. So all of those expenses are not only going to help you run a better company and let it be healthier and prepared for uncertainty, but also one day, if you want to sell your company, that's going to, you know, help you out there as well. Yeah. And all those things like you're saying, it can help, you know, with your run rate and your burn rate and stuff. And you might be able to push out you know, maybe you only had 18 months, start cutting expenses. And now you got 20 months now, you know, like you're saying 60 bucks here, 80 bucks there. You, you know, I know people are like, I had three subscriptions to, to this service. I didn't even know it. You know, it's like the silly things that we do and you can really increase your burn rate real, you know, real fast. Yeah. And the, this is kind of a silly example, but let's say uh, you've got a subscription for 30 bucks that you just realized that you had you cancel that, you could invest 30 back to, bucks back into your employees. I mean, take your employees out to lunch and just like yeah. love, love on them and care for them. Like that's going to pay in huge dividends for you. No, absolutely. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, increasing your ad spend, you know, $30 yeah. more a, a, a month on ad spend that, you know, you could, you could be getting two, three, four, five cl- clients coming in at like, you're talking about 50% margins. That's an extra $500 you're just making now a month, whatever, whatever, yeah. you know, scenario works in your life. Maybe that's one more person getting that $10,000 you just, you just made on that one client you, you got. Like, yeah, these, these little right. things, they really do add up a lot. And, um, and like, I like that employee appreciation type of thing. That's the stuff um, I think um, we're, gonna, we're starting to find out if we haven't already. That human interaction, that human piece, maybe we took for granted. Maybe we didn't think too much about. But yeah, you know, these little gifts, these little uh, thank yous and appreciations, they go a long, long way with employees even contractors. Oh, it, yeah, you're so right. And I, there's um, kind of a thought process that I was walking uh, a friend through who also owns and runs a company. I was saying, Hey bro, you need to outsource your bookkeeping like tomorrow. Like you, he's like, well, I've got a contractor that I bring in. They do all our books, all this stuff. I'm like, no. Okay. You not only are, he's like, well, it's just a contractor. And I'm like, no, they're a human. I said, so you actually need to manage them. And I was like, but if you could find a solution like Bench, B-E-N-C-H, it's an outsourced bookkeeping solution that is run by humans, but that company takes care of its employees. It's not your job to care for that person. They're doing that. Their job is to do your books for you. And that's all that you pay them for. And that's all the time that you spend doing is reviewing the books that they just did for you. So 
there's a time waste or revenue leak when you've got a contractor doing your books, but you really have to manage them because they're coming in the office. You got to remember their birthday. They got to take time off, all kinds of expenses. When you outsource to another company, like, you know, Kathy marketing, for example, uh, for your marketing, you don't have to think about that. You don't have to manage like those people. It's immediately it's push button done, taken care of for you. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, idea, thought process. Um, and what, what I found when you do stuff like that is you free up yourself to think about the thing that you need to be thinking about. You're not, yeah. I got to spend an hour today doing social media. I got to spend an hour today writing emails. I got to spend an hour today uh, looking for clients. Instead of my job should just be X. And all I think about all day and all night is X. And I'm going to be the best at X and, and capitalize on X. And you really can get to a good thought space. You can get rolling. It, it does free up a lot of, of, of mental capital and so many other things. Yeah. And I, I forget what study it was. I'm aware of Reddit. I think it was like a Mike Hyatt, Michael Hyatt book, but he said it takes about 30, I, you know, could be wrong on the, on the quote, but he said it takes about 30 minutes to switch between tasks. So if you decide, okay, I'm going to do emails and I'm going to get in and design this, you know, PowerPoint. And now I'm going to go over here and manage this meeting you've got 30 minutes of ramp up time for each one of those things. So really you have to think about the cost of doing all these different tasks. And I guess back to the thing I was saying a minute ago is like, find a solution where you are outsourcing to a person or a company and not necessarily a person so that the people on your team, you can actually spend more time caring for and you can, you know, treat them to stuff and you can care about their birthdays and how's their, how's their mom doing? Who's in, in the hospital, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff matters uh, right. because at the end of the day, people matter a hundred years from now is what I feel like. So. No, absolutely. People are the most important thing. And, and along that note of that task switching also um, it's works for interruptions. If people are bothering you and interrupting you, if you're constantly checking yeah. things in the, the notifications, um, I think the study was 23 minutes if I, if I remember correctly, hmm. but um yeah, that, that is huge. And then so think about every time somebody says, hey, uh, Evan, can, can you look at this real quick? And you're in the middle of something. It's like, you stop that, you go over there, you take five minutes, you, you do that. You, yeah. 23 to 30 minutes to get back to the thought that you were at, huge, all day long. That You're talking about hours and hours a week, weeks yeah. a year that you're really going to save and be able to claw back. And, and you're, that's how you're going to differentiate and separate yourself from these other businesses that are still kind of letting that kind of go by. Yeah. You, uh, this is hopefully super practical, but there's a difference between, and I learned this uh, at a nonprofit that I worked at um, in Charlotte. So credits to them. So there's a difference between delegating and empowering mm. and you can delegate tasks all day, but when you delegate a decision, you're empowering somebody else to run with that. So when you delegate tasks, you are the central node or you're the thing through which all decisions have to be made. They always keep coming back to you. However, if you can empower other people to make decisions and run with those, you know, the ownership of the task, like the outcome of it, you can then free them up uh, or free yourself up from having to spend time making those decisions for them. They can make those own decisions. And then you're kind of outsourcing your decision-making, which is how you grow a company past 10 people. Yeah, that... Uh... What it reminds me of Jocko Willink. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him and that, um, you know, letting people own the task and giving them empowering that, uh, there's so much that goes into that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great thing. Uh, especially if you're, um, the micromanager type and just being able to free up yourself. I know people that are like that. It's hard to switch, but once you start making that switch and making that stuff, it 
not only dra- drastically improves the plan you're trying to get after, because these people take ownership of the plan and, and the execution, they understand what the mission, they understand what's going on. There's so much that does absolutely goes into that. Yeah, I agree. And kind of my rule of thumb, which again, I'm probably not perfect at this. So take this with a grain of salt is I really try to give as clear instructions as possible from the get go of like desired outcomes. And then not only that, I try to teach people the way that I'm thinking, not just, Hey, do this. I'm like, okay, here's what I'm thinking about right now. This is what I value. So if you need to do this, here's what I would be you know, thinking about. I try to teach them that. And then generally I give them not to sound bad here, but they have like three strikes, really, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, mess it up the first time. I'm going to assume that I didn't communicate properly. That was my bad. I should have, you know, that's my whatever. And then the second time I'm going to come through and say, Hey, all right, you know, you didn't do this. I really need you to do this. Um, and if you can't work it out, then this is not going to be a good fit. And then the third time, obviously it's not a good fit anymore. So, but yeah. I try to assume the first time it's me that I didn't say something right. It, uh, the way I like to think about it similarly is it's always my fault. I, I, I didn't teach correctly. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't communicate correctly. There's something that I, I did that that was wrong there, but there is a point where it's like, all right, I, this is just not working, whatever it is. Yeah, and you gotta let people go. And that's yeah. the thing is, um, it's okay to let people go. And it's okay to, to fire people. If you've put in some time, you've trained and you, you, you've trying to hone your message of teaching and coaching and, and, I know people so many times they're like, well, I don't want to fire. I don't want to, it's like, you got to let these people go. They've got to get to go somewhere else where they can flourish and they can mm. excel and they can become the type of person, employee, whatever, whatever they want to reach in their life. Yeah. A buddy of mine, he manages an operations team. And so like a team that takes care of like a, a commercial space and he's got, uh, well, yeah, I would say he's got like a, one or two people on his team that are not the most positive possibly toxic in some scenarios. Um, and he's really struggling with it. And cause that, that culture is really like a no fire culture. You know what I mean? And they just kind of like yeah. let everybody work through that. And we were talking through it and I was like, man, you, you're doing a disservice to the other people on your team because they have to put up with that and they have negative people at work and nobody wants anyone negative at work. You know, like it's, let's do our job together. Let's be a team. Let's be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Not just, Mopey over here, you know, complaining about whatever's going on in his life and not to say that Mopey doesn't matter because Mopey does matter. Mopey needs a choice. You know, he needs some coaching, but if he's not willing to be coached, you can't, you can't fix people. You know what I mean? You can help them, but it's ultimately up to them for sure. Yeah. That's a big thing. And we all know that feeling when you, you walk into someplace or wherever and you're, you're happy, having a good day. And Sally is just shitting on everything and shit. And you're just like, yeah. And you just go and you go into that mode and it's not, you might not be that kind of person, but when you get that vibe yeah. and you get that stuff and you go in there and then if um, you start jumping in and say, well, you know, I hear what you're saying, Sally, I know Bob is just, fuck, he's just that kind of guy. And, and you start yeah. piling on and then you get into that and then the whole office is like that. Yeah, that's, that's tough. And it, you're better off having that hard conversation and, and firing people. And that goes on. I think it goes along the lines of saying no to things as well. That's a, a, mm-hmm. a skill we all need to work on. And continuously build that no skill. Uh, yeah, those are those are great things. My uh, my buddy, he's a, what's called an EOS implementer. His name's Binge. So shout out to Binge. He's also in the podcasting space, and he uses a term called short term versus long term pain. Okay. So I can decide right now. I'm going to have a, a lot of short term pain having this uncomfortable conversation, or. I'm defaulting to the long-term pain of this person dragging down our company, dragging down morale, dragging, taking out other employees who don't want to deal with it anymore. 
Um, and this also goes for other relationships in your life or situations, short-term pain, long-term pain. I can either work out right now and take care of my body and eat healthy, or I can suffer the long-term consequences of that. So I love that short-term versus long-term pain. And I think it replies really well for hiring and stuff like that and firing. I like that. That's a good, uh, good analogy. We have a hard time as humans, um, that long-term thinking, that long-term planning, uh, retirement. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have heart disease if I keep doing this. That, that's tough. So keeping that in mind, I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to have to use that. That's a good, a good, uh, good analogy to keep, keep in front of your mind. Yeah, totally. For sure. Do you have anything that is, is happened? Uh, I want to say in this, in this year, March, February, whatever, mm-hmm. when this stuff kind of started going on, that really just surprised you that, that either started working or stopped working for these companies you've been working with, the marketing and or whatever else things you have going on? Hmm. Yeah, I think I'll just go for my own company. It was very interesting. So we had uh, half a dozen proposals out, you know, waiting to get the yes or no on. And when all this stuff happened, we had two clients cancel. And then we had all of those proposals that were out, all not happening. You know what I mean, immediately everybody was like, not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I feel you, you know, it was, just, it was a weird time. You know, we were yeah. like, is the world, is the sky falling? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I definitely had empathy for them. I get it. So I understand. So that happens. Okay. And then, I mean, maybe two weeks after that or less, I, we had more business than we know what to do with. Wow. And I really feel like it's the type of business. There is always somebody like money flows. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always somebody who's, who's growing in this season. Otherwise, no, <laughs> Amazon, um, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so well, there's always somebody, guys, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're definitely winning right now, which they're mm-hmm. certainly uh, not our client in any you know capacity, way too big for us. Yeah. And I think you just have to pay attention to that. And then also just be, opportunity but for us that was interesting that didn't surprise me because it came out of nowhere obviously um had a bunch cancel and thought to myself this this will be interesting this will be an interesting year um and then it ended up being fine you know what i mean so we're just super thankful for that i guess did you notice any any other surprises uh, with clients you worked with where um you guys were like let's try a few different things and i maybe these typically don't work or maybe these typically do work and you were surprised with the outcome Oh yeah. I have one that's kind of specific and it has to do with Facebook advertising. Okay. Uh, Facebook is my, my favorite platform personally to advertise on. Generally it's the easy, it's the best tracking, the best analytics uh, is my opinion on that. And also the, the back, the best back end for uh, targeting all that stuff. Sure. But I digress. So I did what's called a lookalike audience, mm-hmm. um, which means that you replicate an existing audience and you tell Facebook, Hey, Facebook, I want um, an audience that matches the top 1% of people on Facebook or in this, you know, you know, United States or whatever, that are just like these people, the top closest 1% of my target customers. And so I did that and it was going well. And I decided to replicate that to the top two and then the top three uh, audiences. So I'm each percentage, I'm getting farther and farther away from our current customer base. Okay. So you know, I had three different audiences I'm running ads to. And all of a sudden I noticed I implement some other tracking stuff. And I noticed that the 1% lookalike is doing just as well as it was. The 2% is not doing great at all. Like 
super low, like 0.69. Actually, I think it was higher than that. I think it was like one X return on ad spend, which means we're basically breaking even. And then you're like, you hit your cost. So you're kind of losing money on that one. But the three X had like a six to eight return on ad spend, which I thought was super interesting. I had never seen that. And so um, I like was going through the settings. I'm like, what did I do wrong? But for whatever reason, um, you know, I just tried a very a broader audience than I typically would. Is basically what I did, uh, and ended up working really well. So I, I don't know that that's necessarily COVID related or not, but that was probably the most surprising thing that's happened the past couple months in the advertising space for me. Do you do you think it was people typically um, that would be interested that are looking for new opportunities, new information, or something along those lines? So it was a B two C product. Um, and I wonder, it's hard to say some of our, the products are lower ticket items. Um, there's nothing like a super high ticket. There's nothing with like a thousand dollars or more. They're all less than that. So it's possible that the top 1% was similar middle ticket, you know, customers, you know, middle of the road or whatever. And the high, this, the 2% look alike was either a, you know, the higher income earners or lower income earners. I don't know. And then the 3% was one or the other. And I don't have the exact data on it because Facebook has privacy laws or yeah. privacy rules. Right, but right. I imagine that it, it could be the difference between somebody who makes $40,000 a year or $100,000 a year. And I don't know that necessarily the person who makes $100,000 a year is spending more or less. I It's actually possible with that particular product that the person who's making $40,000 is spending, you know, three or four times on the website than what the other person is. So right. that's just my conjecture. It's my only thought is that we targeted a lower or higher income earner. Mm, on the interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I noticed that the peop- way people were spending money was a little interesting. Um, during, especially in that beginning time. Um, I yeah. noticed a lot of people that were on the higher income side really pulled back their spending quite a bit. I didn't yeah. typically notice that. Uh, in my circles from people that maybe were on the little bit lower income side. So I wonder um, mm. if maybe those people are a little bit more uh, maybe ambitious or, or, or something like that along the lines of maybe it's an opportunity right. for me to maybe spend in a better way. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the right verbiage for that is either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I would imagine if you're a lower income earner, you know, you'd be trying to save uh, more, mm-hmm. but I don't know, you know, sometimes, I, again, there's, it's obviously a super complex issue that I don't fully, yeah. you know, I don't pretend to understand, but maybe it's characteristics that have a higher spending habit, maybe correlate to a lower income. But at the same time, I feel like your lifestyle is like lifestyle creep. So there's people, yeah. there's plenty of people who make millions of dollars a year and blow it all away. Uh, so bro. I don't know. That yeah. Answers. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably, it's probably yeah. relevant either way. Yeah. I, I was having a conversation uh, yesterday with, with, uh, with somebody and they were just like, oh, this, you know, the person that that, that works for them, you know, they, oh, they, they make their close to 100 grand a year. They're in their mid 20s. And then, yeah. they, you know, they were saying, like, I wish I, I, you know, I was at that age making that kind of money. And, yeah. and I was like, I was saying, I was thinking, you know, I was, I, I was you know, they're, and we're talking about kind of maybe like how their future is going to be when they're at my age now. And, and you know, yeah. 15 years later. And I was, and I'll say, you know, I bet you that person being so young, making that kind of money. Uh, I bet you that when I was talking about lifestyle creep, I bet you it's so high, they'll never be able to do a lot of these things that you think they're going to be able to do that you did when you were younger, sacrificing, mm. making that kind of money. Uh, so this person, they traveled a lot and they did a lot of things. Um, 
and so they they kind of gave up on that career in the early time to, to do yeah, sure uh, they got comfortable things, right so and that's what I was thinking I, said, I bet you that person will probably be on their deathbed saying I wish I didn't make all this money when I was young and I was able to travel and and do these other type of things yeah lifestyle creep is <laughs> yeah it's, it could be devastating it's very real yeah we uh so when we got married uh my wife and I she uh, by the way, she's awesome, but she had a, almost a hundred thousand dollars in debt between student loan debt and like a car debt. So a lot. Yeah. And we ended up paying the whole thing off in like three years. But at the same time, I was an intern at a church and she was working like, you know, like a retail job or whatever. <laughs> and so, and I'm not laughing at a retail job. I'm saying we were just, we were not making a lot of money. I, I can see that, uh, very that happening. Middle, lower middle class with a lot of debt. And that's just probably like, Oh my God, we got to be real good with money. Yeah. And we were so frugal. Like I, I would eat food from like the church fridge, which was like leftovers or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now we, we live super modestly, I feel like, um, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking to myself, how do we spend three X what we used to spend on groceries? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I'm thinking what in the world? I don't understand yeah. how we can get our grocery budget lower, lower, but there is so, for sure lifestyle creep. There's no question about it. And my goal is to have some sort of passive income. Like this just, I don't care to really have a certain number in a bank. I just want to be able to live completely on passive income in the next couple of years uh, with the investments and stuff like that. So I think that'd be a ton of fun to go like hang out with friends that live in like Texas or Colorado and just go hang out with them for a couple months. You know, I thought like yeah. that would be fun. I want to circle back to that. But one thing I want to ask, what, um, did you notice by having that training, let's call it, of, of being frugal, of being able to, Sally's leftover sandwich and, and that type of <laughs> type, type of, you know, beans. I know I'm going to be beans and rice. I'm going to be good to go. Uh, maybe skipping a meal. I'm going to be fine. Did you notice having that experience helped you out in the beginning of this COVID situation when there was a lot of fear kind of going out and people were worried mm. about food and all these different types of things? Yeah, I will say um, I want to put like a disclaimer on there. Sure. I want to put like two disclaimers. The first disclaimer being um, we, we had savings, you know what I mean? Um, and, past couple of years, we've, we've done better and better. And, you know, my wife has a salary job. So like what I'm going to say, I'm saying it with that in mind that there are people in harder situations that this is not even, yeah, I'm not trying to oversimplify their thing. So if you're in that, it's not what I'm saying. However, for us, I think the second, this is my second part of disclaimer. Um, this could totally not be for anybody else, but for some people, this might be applicable, but for me, it was my faith. So like my, uh, my relationship with Jesus, I'm a Christian. Uh, or serve me a follow Jesus, whatever you want to call me. And in those seasons, in the hard seasons, I grew, I felt like I grew closer to God and learned to trust him more and lean on him. And so going through COVID, I mentioned all those clients dropped. My wife and I, I can remember where we were on the walk. And I just thought, you know what? Like God's taking care of us. And it's been okay. Mm-hmm. And I also want to put one last disclaimer. Um, when I lived I lived in Thailand for a few months um, when I was like 18 and I like did like this mission work stuff. And when I was over there, I saw like extreme, extreme poverty. Like I'm talking people just like dying on the street from like rotting limbs and all kinds of crazy, super graphic stuff. I'm not saying that if you follow God, everything is fine. You know what I mean? Like, and that you're just gonna, um, you know, all your problems are themselves. I'm not at all saying that, but I just think, you know what? A hundred years from now, and the whole big picture, it's going to be okay. Like that's the peace that I was feeling. I was like, you know what? God got us through that season. 
Um, and it really wasn't that bad. And it's not going to matter when one day I'm with him, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, ain't that big of a deal. Like, let's cool. Let's go. Whatever. You know what I mean? That's my two cents on that with a couple of disclaimers. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. So, um, if I can, if I can kind of bring this back, you yeah. leaned on your faith and to say, no matter what happens, as long as we keep our faith, like everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to, we're going to eat. We're going to be able to live. We're going to be able to figure this out. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, I really, so again, for anybody who's like really anti-religion, maybe you want to skip forward, but if you're open to it, here's my, here's my thoughts. Yeah. The, um, for me, I looked at it and go, okay, if Jesus was willing to come to this earth and die on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven and I could be reconnecting back to God in relationship with him. If he was willing to do that for me, I imagine he's still willing and caring to take care of us. Mm. That does not mean that I could just sit on my butt and everything will be taken care of. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I've got to hustle. I got to provide. I'm the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I need to make stuff happen. But I do think if I if I'm just doing the best that I can, um, for the most part, everything's going to work out okay. And I also, you know, part of this whole Christianity and faith journey is that we see that hey, this moment in time is just a breath; it's a vapor. And so, if I really true truly believe that, if a client signs a big deal, or if I have my biggest client ever, I really don't care. I mean, I do, but I really don't because a hundred years from now. It really, the things that are going to matter for me are this relationship I have with God, how I treated my family, did I love the people around me well, and did I possibly introduce other people into this relationship with God? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because money does not, like I said, I I, I like making money sure. and I think it's cool, um, but I consider it a hobby and I don't want ever, I don't want it to be the top three in my life. I would rather it be a, a fun hobby that I'm good at, not a an idol, as we would call it in my yeah. life. So. No, thank you for sharing that. I, 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 um, I'm not religious, but I'm open to hear. I like hearing the things. I like to hear how people think about things. Um, one thing that I um, I noticed, uh, so I mean, we're old enough to have gone through the 2018 thing, the September 11 thing, uh, the mm. dot-com crash and all those kind of things that happened. So one thing I, I noticed, um, really September 11 and then in 2008, September 11th, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for anything. I was in my... I don't know, early 20s. I really wasn't prepared for, for something like that to happen. And a lot of things are out of my control, really affect my life. I, I wasn't prepared for that. So realizing that going forward, I said, I need to make sure however it is, I I, I can do it. Um, I'm ready for something else to ever happen again. It's out of hmm. my control, but I'm set to go. You know, I've got, maybe not necessarily, it's not necessarily a money thing, but it's a it's a training. It's a level of, of experience and, and thought and maybe preparation, whatever it is. I'm not a, I'm not a planning kind of guy, but I realized I need to take this a little seriously. And then when 2008 came along, I, I was ready for something like that. You know, um, I wasn't worried. And, and, and I noticed when, by, by not being worried about these things and not being in this, this fear place in this place of shit, I don't know how I'm going to pay yeah. my bills. Like when you're not in that mindset you're not in a mind frame you're prepared it's it's this concept um called like default to training so when you've trained for shit to happen and shit to go down you're ready so what happens when 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 whatever happens when when somebody wants to fight you when when a war breaks out whatever it is you don't rise to your expectations you don't rise to, oh, i'm gonna be like this person you default to your training so whatever you train for 
that's what's going to come out. That's what's in your back of your mind. That's what's in your subconscious. That's what's going to happen. So um, when, when you're not, when, when, you, when you're, you know, you're going to be okay. And, and you, you've, you've default, your training level is, is such where you, you know, you're going to be fine. I noticed that personally, and, and I'm trying to talk to other people about this too, and get a sense of it. Um, you're, you're able to have, um, you're able to think a lot more. You're able to look at things and kind of back away and, and detach a little bit because you're not emotional. Yeah. You're not in it. And you're able to say, um, it, where's the opportunities at? Where's the scarcity mindset? Where's this fear? Um, what is this? What, what, what part of this is maybe a, a fear mongering tactic for, for views and viewership and, and, and all that type of stuff versus uh, what's real? What am I worried about? What are these things um, that um, may, maybe uh, something that I'm not ready or prepared for? So I, was, I, I did well during that time in all, in all aspects of that. Um, so then when this came around, um, I, I was double downing on these types of things. Uh, yeah. I was um, reading a lot and getting into Stoic philosophy. And they talk a lot about this. Hmm. Um, fasting, um, going out and looking homeless, being homeless, sleeping on the ground and, and t- telling yourself and, and wondering to yourself, what are you scared of? Are you scared of the people that are going to say something you don't know or care about, worried about the way you're dressed? Are you worried about what people are going to think when you're now, when you're homeless or you look homeless? What are you scared of? Yeah. What are you doing preparing for these things and, 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 and raising that default to a training type of thing. So when this came around, um, like I said, I practice fasting. Um, I've done, I've done five day water only fast and, and I know what that feels like. And I know how to get through that. Um, we practice um, as a family uh, eating only beans and rice for one, one day of the month. So we know wow. what that's like. We know, I, t- I teach my kids and I teach everybody and teach myself. We, we're going to be just fine. We just have beans and rice for, for dinner. We know we're going to be right. okay. And, and all these different types of things that I practice. And I noticed when, when this COVID stuff came around, I wasn't worried about grocery stores being out of food and on all these types mm. of things. Because I know I can go without eating. No problem for, for days and days. Please, if you have medical problems, talk with a doctor about that. But yeah. I know we could be okay on scarce and scant food. I don't have to have the best in organic. I don't have to eat steaks all the time. I know we're going to be a fine until things kind yeah. of go around. And those are the things that I, and then I was able to look, look for opportunities. Like, so everybody's scared and running out buying toilet paper. And I'm like, where's the money at? Where's the opportunities? Where can I, yeah, help? Totally. where can I do these things? So I'm not scared of these things. Uh, and I was just wondering if, if, if you've, if you can kind of understand or maybe even add something to it, or you kind of understand where I'm going. I know it's a real long <laughs> kind of thing, but I was trying <laughs> to build, build, build that concept of how I was kind of acting and thinking about things. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. A couple things come to mind. Um, first off, well, let's go through a couple here. So one is that the default of training, I think even with that season that we started with, with the debt um, that I was mentioning earlier, I think the real training came when my dad was struggling with drugs and when I was in high school. And so that was the time I really got to lean in my faith. Cause I literally just like decided to start following Jesus in that season. Um, and that built the foundation. And let me just tell you that sucked. That was so hard with my dad during that season. That was just awful. Um, and that really did build a foundation, though, of resilience and just stupid resilience. You know what I mean? I was just like, okay, what I just got? Like, cause like, that's the worst thing it feels like. You know what I mean? So, what bring it. Um, so, there's that. And then the other thing is, I do think kind of like, okay, also super interesting. I, I really love hearing about all the stuff that you did prepare. Um, the, there is a level of preparation required. I feel like, um, I've got a friend I was talking to this morning. Um, he's in the banking 
you know, space or whatever. And we're actually hope, hopefully going to close on home here in a few days, like I mentioned. Um, not, I'm not working with him. Maybe I should be. But uh, he's telling me that people, a lot of people actually get mortgage mortgages where their monthly payment is 50% of their gross income or whatever the max is. Wow. Um, which is wild. And then he goes, and then they immediately pull out a HELOC, like, or a second mortgage or oh one of credit. God. I, my mind was blown. I was like, what? Wow. Those people through either ignorance, just not knowing any better or choosing to make horrible decisions. Um, either one, I'm not sure probably makes it above are probably scared as all get out right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a level of actual preparation. You know, you mentioned money, like, you know, money, where's the money going right now? If you've got cash on hand, golly, wouldn't you have loved to invest in the stock market? You know, just like a couple yes. of months or weeks yes. ago, like, yes. Yes. I'm like mm-hmm. golly, it's Tesla stock again? Like, we're really going there? Oh, like, yeah. What's the deal? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I, that's not mainly my space. I, I do, I invest in businesses and that's where my, my sweet spot is there. Um, but that's been really good for us, but that all involves margin. You know what I mean? So like you have to have margin in order to do these things and you have to prepare. And I guess the last thought on this really is, um, you know, I, we're going to hopefully own a home outright within a a few years. Um, and that's going to be great. But even then it's not my home. I still pay property taxes. It's the government's. You know what I mean? They can come by and build a freeway right over your home. Yeah. It's not really mine. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh, so I think there's false things that we hold on to as security when really we have to decide to circle this all back together is an internal versus an external locus of control. And we have to decide I'm either going to be a victim to the stuff around me and I'm going to complain about it. And I'm going to just go, what was me or the flip side uh, I can say, you know, I can't control everything, but I can control how I respond and how I react to stuff and how I prepare for it. And that's what it comes out to understanding what's in your control and out of your control. Absolutely. The the thing I would like to understand is, is the thing that you seem to be controlling now is, is investments. Um, I, I noticed with your LinkedIn profile and some other things and stuff like that, um, you're, you're into investing. I'm not sure what we can talk about that. My yeah. question to you in that space is, um, what investments are you making now and what are you pulling back on? Mm, good question. Uh, I'm very nervous about the stock market. <laughs> aren't, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is completely detached from reality. It feels yeah. like. Yeah. Um, and it already was, I mean, it, it mainly is based off uh, people's you know emotions, which that's already proven uh, a lot of science around that in the stock market any of the random things like your ticker symbol. So we won't even get into that. So I will say that I, I've got some investments in the stock market. I'm not talking about an index fund. I'm talking about individual stocks that I invest in. Um, I'm probably going to relocate those funds elsewhere because they're, I've made a great return. I'm just going to relocate those funds. Just to be honest, not telling you that's not advice. I'm not a professional. Nope. Don't hold me on that. Absolutely. Um, however, and mainly that's because that's not my strength. Stock, stock, is like a fun hobby. You know what I mean? Like I only, I use very disposable income for that. Yeah. The thing that I am investing in is, is companies. Um, there is a lot of companies that either have a great product or a service, whichever. Um, in my, my investment group, we mainly do online businesses, but sometimes we'll do like actual brick and mortar stuff. And we're looking for companies that 
have struggled to go to the next level. Um, they don't kind of like what we've mentioned earlier, you know, they're stuck under a million or under three or 4 million or whatever, and they can't bring it to the next level. Those are the companies I'm very interested in right now. Um, so that's mainly where I'm investing my time and, and my money at for sure. That's interesting. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to ask you this question. Um, I don't know. Can you expand on that a little bit more about these companies that you're looking yeah. at without, I don't want to, I don't want you to maybe divulge anything you're sure. uncomfortable with, but what I mean, I guess the point of the question is of other people that are listening out there, maybe they have a little bit of income. Maybe they're looking at things. Maybe yeah. they never thought about it in these types of things, but they want to deploy their skills. How can we yeah. think about this? How are you thinking about picking a company, looking at companies, what type of maybe sector you're looking at, maybe all, all those types of things, you, if you, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'll just talk to some of the qualities and like I'll just the, the process and what we do. Sure. Um, some of the qualities I love in a company is that it's you know really easy to scale. So if there is, if I have, let's say there's 500 sales just for the sake of simplicity in a month, if all of a sudden I get involved and I'm able to crank up sales from 500 to 5,000, can the business handle that without much changing? You know, what I mean. We're we gonna have to fulfill a lot more orders. Yeah, easy. You know, what I mean, we have to outsource a warehouse, maybe add another customer service person. Sure, but when it's like a service business or a B two B, sometimes that's not the case. And so um, that stuff makes me nervous. Not because I don't think that we can't help them, but mainly because I'm just nervous. This there's not an economies of scale. You know, mm -hmm. so that's me. That's as I'm like that's my personal, I guess, qualification. Sure. And then the investment group that I'm a part of. Um, a couple things that investors do when we get in a, a company that will look at the expenses and will take off everything. Like I mentioned earlier, everything that does not directly contribute to the bottom line, got to go later. Generally people are not on that list. Um, we don't want to just get rid of people, but any other expenses besides people are very much on the chopping block, get rid of those as soon as possible. Um, and some examples, like there's an existing CEO or COO, um, or founder of the company, and oftentimes we're actually, sometimes we buy the company outright. Most of the time we come in as a partner and then earn equity as the, the business grows. Um, the, sometimes we'll ask the owners or the, pre, the previous owner, hey, we, we got to cut your, your, you know, what do they call it? Retainer, not retainer, um, but your draw, like your, your monthly draw from the company because you're sucking the company dry. Mm -hmm. You should be investing back in the company. And just simply cutting all those expenses and then uh, reducing the owner's, you know, withdrawal from it sets the company up to be a lot healthier. And then at that point, once we've done that, then we can look into building systems and processes to scale the company with marketing. So that's the general process. A lot of the companies that we're looking for are, are, are those partnerships um, where we can come in uh, and then, you know, double, triple the company. And then sometimes we'll sell it afterwards. Sometimes we won't. Um, so yeah, but e-commerce and online businesses, I would say are the easiest um, SaaS companies are have the highest multiple, which is why they have. Yeah. Some, I don't, I don't think most people would know this, but like if you had a brick and mortar store that was doing a million dollars in margin, and then you had a SaaS company that was doing a million dollars in margin, the SaaS company would, would sell for two to three times more. I'm just, that's not an exact rule. But the idea is that a SaaS company already has the infrastructure built and is way easier to scale than a local shop. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that multiple you can get on the value of the company. Yeah, it's interesting how they're different from industry to industry. You know, you can get a three x mm-hmm. multiple on this. In this other industry, you can get a ten x multiple on on the same thing. It's quite interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. Like, um, and even if they do it based off the year or the month, like, uh, and I, there's all kinds of different ways. Of yeah, people look do at it. Uh, yeah, so many different ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like you can talk about this. You can talk to the same person about two different companies, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna t- we're gonna do a we're gonna do a five x multiple on on your annual after tax revenue." It's another company. Oh, we're gonna do a ten x multiple on your gross revenue. Like, you just told me two different things about the same thing you're using to value this company. It's very interesting. I don't know enough about why or how, but it's very, it is very interesting. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I'm thankful I've got, so I'm involved in those decisions obviously, but, uh, (laughs) I don't do most of the homework. So I'm very (laughs) thankful for my partners who are very smart. Um, and they, they make sure it's a good fit for both because the companies that we partner with, it's really gotta be a good fit for both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're locking arms with these people and saying, Hey, we're gonna help you double or triple your company. Um, this is not a, uh, you know, sell cash at sale, you know, they're, they might get something, but it's probably not going to be as much as they will two, three years from now. So, right. No, I just kind of noticed through this whole conversation we have, it seems you're very self-aware of the things you're good at and the things you aren't good at. How did you develop that? Um, I've worked for some really awful people. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and I honestly think that there's two sides of that coin and they're probably not that awful. You know, I, I've got a very strong personality. And so maybe I just got way more feedback than most people, which is totally possible. And so forgive me if, uh, for they're not awful people. However, we did not jive, you know, I did not jive working for them vice versa. And so I, there's a lot of times where I got a lot of feedback, um, and it did not come from a good place. It was very much, I'm going to tear you down. And so eventually I just decided, you know what, like I've, I've got to figure out how the crap I'm coming across to people. You know, I've got to understand, uh, I've got to be self-aware. I've got to be able to self-manage mainly so they don't have any ammunition against me, um, which is unfortunate, but it was very hard, very hard season. And I'm so thankful for it. I, I'm so thankful for the people I've enjoyed working for the least, uh, because I've grown so much in that season just by, you know, there's another, there's another place I worked at where everybody, you had to have a face on and it was exhausting. Yeah. That, that being said, I learned how to self-manage. I learned how to like be appropriate in the workplace and not just dump all my feelings or whatever I was going through and not pout in the corner about something, you know, like there's a level of professionalism that I learned from that. So I would say probably thanks to the people that I did not love working for (laughs) would mainly be it. Is there any other tools or courses or books or coaching or something you did to help cultivate that other than obviously uh, that firsthand experience? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a couple. Um, one is even if you're not a Christian and you're not religious, um, the book of Proverbs in the Bible, I used to read that all the time when I was in high school. Um, probably should pick it up more to be honest, but it's very practical. Um, Super, super practical. It's written by this guy named Solomon. Uh, and it was supposedly written by a guy named Solomon. And I say supposedly because some people think that, you know, did he write all of it? They're pretty sure he wrote at least 28 out of the 31 different, um, you know, passages, but whatever. So Solomon basically wrote all of them. 
and there's enough for every single day of the month. So for a long time, I would just read a proverb. So a proverb every day it took me like three or four minutes. And a lot of times I would take the wisdom from that proverb and bring it into my day. And that was super helpful. And after you read through it a couple of times for like a year, you kind of internalize that stuff. Yeah. And I guess here's a, I'm going to make a disclaimer on Solomon might be the wisest guy who ever lived, but maybe, you know, couldn't follow through on his own advice in a lot of ways. So, yeah. um, he did not have that part going for him, but he definitely, he knew the right things. So I, Solomon is great. Um, there's a book by a guy who's kind of been exiled from the Christian community, not because he's not a Christian. Um, some people still like him, but he was like a very influential like writer and speaker. And he wrote a book called The Most Excellent Way to Lead. His name's Perry Noble. Um, and I don't say the guy's perfect or whatever, but I really enjoyed his book. And he basically breaks down this passage Golly, I'm, t- I'm talking a lot about faith right now. Um, okay. In First Corinthians, uh, which is a book in the New Testament, so like what the Christians consider part of the Bible. Um, and he breaks down First Corinthians, which is often read at weddings. It's like love is patient, love is kind. And he goes through and basically details out how that is like a call to leadership and how if you lead people, that's how you should lead people with love and kindness. Um, and it's not super mushy like that. Like it's really practical and... You know, you also heard, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, I'm, I'm not afraid to fire somebody, you know, but yeah, yeah. hopefully I could be super loving and supportive um, yeah. in and through that process and hopefully before that, you know what I mean? So I'd say those are probably probably the best. And ask my mom also when I was in high school, um, she, I don't know that she said it quite like this, but how I interpreted it, interpreted it was like, hey, you're not really humble at all. <laughs> And she was right. And um, I didn't know how to be humble. And so I just, I honestly, I prayed for that and not saying that solves your issue there, but I feel like God does change my heart a little bit in that. And then maybe gave me opportunities to be humbled. Uh, So there you go. That's all I got there. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being uh, brave to talk about your faith and talk about your religion. I think uh, it's a skill and I think people nowadays, it seems um, aren't, aren't willing to, to talk about things that maybe are controversial or aren't popular. And thank you for, for being that person and sharing that. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. For sure. And I'll link those books. If you guys are interested um, to, to get those, so don't, don't worry about it. If you're, if you're interested, at least maybe read this summary or something like that or whatever, I'll link those. So it's easy for you guys to get in the show notes for the show. Um, <clears throat> we, well, we, we talked about so much, so much things and we really covered out. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like to talk about the future. Uh, we're, I know as humans, we're, we just suck at that, but I want to see, I want to, I want to see what you're seeing. I'm interested in what you're seeing, the, what the new future is going to be. Um, how, how are you looking at that? What maybe predictions or bets you're making, not necessarily monetarily, but in the future, what, mm-hmm. what, what are you looking at? How are you looking at the future as we go forward here? Um, Mid June at 2020. So I'm a millennial. Um, so we inherently can't think past five months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, whenever I interview another millennial and like, you know, for whatever, um, I'm always like, you could see that on their face, you know, like the, uh, when you're like, what are your three year plans? They're like, no idea. Got yeah. nothing. You know what yeah. I mean? um, doesn't mean that they're not smart. Uh, right. just, we just, I don't know. We just always had stuff in front of us. I've always had stuff in front of us. So, um, I don't know for me, it really, 
I don't necessarily have any predictions. I guess I have goals, you know, it's kind of like that financial quote freedom goal. Um, I, I just feel increasingly that life is short. Um, we don't know what is going to change. Uh, you know, like obviously 2020 has been a heck of a year. Um, there was a, whatever the generation is below millennial, one of those people on my team, she was like, this is like the worst year I've been alive. She was not talking about like her personal experience, but she was yeah. like, this is like the most traumatic year of my existence. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah. uh, as a, as humanity. Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't have any bold predictions. I just have a, a general level of like, Hey, let's just, let's just focus on stuff that matters. Let's not overreact to stuff. Um, I definitely think that the market is volatile and unpredictable and uncertain. Um, so I think there's going to be continued uncertainty. I don't, I don't see in the next couple of months that there being a lot of clarity. Um, I feel for my, um, this is also another controversial issue. Um, I've got friends that are black. Uh, one of my best friends is actually Korean. And so I, I just feel a lot for them right now. Um, that's something that they've struggled with for a long time, you know, and it's just now there's a lot of awareness to it. So obviously that issue is not going to be solved right now. So there's just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of um, stuff going on. And I think that's just going to continue to be the case. So if I have any prediction, it's just that there's going to be continued uncertainty into the future, at least for another year. Let's go with that. I, I would say there will be uncertainty for the rest of civilization period, end of conversation. Yeah. How, I don't want to diminish your faith, but other than, or, or as part yeah. of your faith, how are you, uh, how are you dealing with that? How are you thinking about that? How are you getting through that, that thought of so much uncertainty, so much animosity, so much chaos? What are, what are you doing to, to push through that? How are you thinking about that? And in that, I hope I explained that correctly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, you, know, you kind of mentioned faith thing. So I'll, let's just say that's a thing, but what else is going on there? Yeah. Um, the, I think the, just trying to actually articulate it, um, maybe even like writing down a list sometimes if I do feel really overwhelmed, like what's in my control, what's outside my control. Um, I just thought, you know, as of the past couple of months, I thought, you know, how can I grow as a, a husband and as a friend right now? Um, so I've really tried to be slow to speak in a lot of scenarios and I am not slow to speak at all. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, or patient. Those are not man, all my skill sets. I hear you. So I don't know if anyone else feels like I've been patient or slow to speak, but I've been trying. Um, and I don't know. I think I, the biggest thing for me is always what matters a hundred years from now. Uh, that is this, just the most centering direct question. It gets to my heart and I go, all right, does this matter a hundred years from now? No, it doesn't. Not really. Um, and even like, uh, well, uh, yeah, I can keep this ambiguous. There are people in my life who are older and are not racist necessarily in like a straight sense of the word. However, they just were raised in a completely different generation. Uh, and they just can't see some stuff sometimes. And so I've just thought, you know what, I, I'm just going to choose to have some difficult conversations. Um, even if it, uh, if I can do it in a loving way, I think it's worth it. So I don't know. I just try to focus on stuff that matters more than business, more than stuff, more than, um, you know, a house or whatever, you know, like my, when my dad started doing drugs again, when I was in high school, 
he didn't do it. I don't think before I, I was like born I th- or he did do it before I was born and then eventually relapsed. But when we lost everything, I mean, we lost our house. We had like another like, lake house that we lost. We lost the cars. Um, everything got foreclosed on. We had like a pink slip on the house. Wow. I was there for all that. Um, I remember going to the dentist office and crying because I had a cavity because I was worried my mom couldn't pay for the bill. And been through all that. So I'm really not too worried. Just trying to make wise decisions. And if I can't control it, why, why would I worry about something I can't control anyway? It doesn't do anything. You got to wonder why we do that. (laughs) That's so fascinating, right? Yeah. The, yeah, not religious or not. Jesus, the, Jesus makes an interesting point when he goes, um, why worry about your life? What is worrying about your life? Is it going to add anything on your life? Is it going to add a single hour into your life by worrying? No. No. All right. Why worry about tomorrow then? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Aurelius, um, if you're not familiar with him, he was uh, one of the, considered one of the great five Roman emperor, emperors. He talks about something like that along. He's like, nobody's going to remember you in a hundred years. What? Like, what I believe is Marcus Aurelius talks about this, and it's like along those lines. Like, you, what are you worried about? Somebody putting up a statue of you? Like, what are you trying to do here? Nobody's nobody's gonna give a shit. It's like the people before me, all the kings and all, all the emperors. Nobody remembers who they were. What am I worried about? You know, just let me just handle my shit. Let me just handle my stuff. And and, and it, it goes back to that that you, like you you keep coming back to this hundred year thing. And then your like your friend was um, had that other point as well of you know that long term thoughts and. And I like how, uh, you know, we, we, we look at these things and how, how you, that's something, I love how you've got that self-awareness thing and then that hundred year thing saying, what's happening here and can, 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 can this add to the world? Is this going to add value to people's lives far after I'm gone? And I love how you're able to take that and, and, and apply it to your life and set that out when it's so hard for us to think uh, what we're having for lunch on Saturday, you know? Uh, thing here is that I always think about is I don't remember half the crap I was frustrated about two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. Don't remember it. Yeah. So when I get an email from somebody at 10 30 at night, which actually I'm probably not awake at that point. So let's go with nine. Don't and it's very email. frustrating. Yeah. I'm just like, whatever. I don't even remember the last time somebody sent me an email like this. So <laughs> right. whatever. How about yes, this, it? You this too shall me. pass. Yeah. This too shall pass. hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, a thing that I, I think about often, and I notice a lot of people start to think about more often during this COVID type of thing is uh, habits. Have you added or removed anything recently that comes to mind? Okay. So it's funny. I was another, another conversation today, which was a, like a faith conversation. Um, and we were talking about like habits of faith and disciplines and stuff like that. And I think, I personally have gotten very lax on my disciplines um, and habits. I've changed some stuff up mainly because we've been working from home and therefore my 10 month old is, excuse me, making all kinds of noises. And so it's very hard to get work done. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of pivoted and started working at 5 AM um, or a little before 5 AM. And I've just like cranked out emails and work until he wakes up. And that has actually been pretty darn cool uh, because I can pretty much get everything done in like three or four hours because no one else is emailing me. No one's distracting me. Um, So I think that's probably going to continue. I got to figure out how I pivot like my workout schedule. Um, Mm -hmm. I also was doing like a 
martial art called Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. So I got to figure out how that works back out in my schedule. Um, but yes, definitely have pivoted my schedule. That's for sure. Yeah. I know a lot of people are having problems with, uh, Jiu Jitsu and all this type of stuff. I mean, zero feet distance is where you want to be. So that's, yeah, that's going to be tough to have people navigate that. <laughs> yeah. We, um, yeah. So the gym, I just, I'm ended my membership at my current gym. Um, didn't love it. Uh, it's fine. And so I am going to like a gym shout out to anybody who does BJJ Atlanta. It's called tiger Academy. Um, apparently it's pretty darn good. And so I'm excited to start with them, but they only have like four classes a week versus their normal, like 23. Yeah. And so all the disinfecting, all that stuff. So it's going to be a slow ramp back up. That's for sure. Yeah. I, uh, Jocko was talking about that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he was talking about that on Joe Rogan. He has a, a jujitsu gym as well. And he was talking about, it's very hard. They want in California, they want them, uh, cleaning, all this excessively and he's talking about they got to bring in these cleaning crews and they've got to have these big gaps between classes. Um, I know here in uh, Phoenix, I go to, I do acro yoga and that is really just, I mean, that's something that's very close contact. Everybody's touching, everybody's in your face. Um, and that's pretty much come to a screeching halt. Teachers don't want to teach. Um, students students don't want to come back. Um, people, you know, are worried about being in each other's faces. I I finally Mm. went back to the first class on Saturday in, I don't know, since February, I think it was the last time I went and it was this weird ghost town and it was very strange. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a, it's a very interesting vibe and it's, it's going to be interesting, I guess, going forward. And I feel bad for these types of places where I don't know what you can throw at that to make you any money. It's tough. Yeah. Um, it's hard to you try to choke somebody out or yeah. not be choked out and yeah. follow social distancing. So, yeah. 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 I, was like, I mean, in that type of stuff. I mean, you're breathing in people's faces, just sweats dropping in your mouth and in your eyes and yeah, blood is everywhere sometimes. Yeah. That's yeah. That's you're in a lot of positions in BJJ where <laughs> so it's yeah. a weird sport. If you like think about it, cause you're rolling sometimes with people you've never met yeah, and you're in all sorts of positions mm-hmm. with each other that, <laughs> I would never want my, and most of these guys are other guys. Sometimes yeah, yeah. there's other women there, but mainly I don't, I don't roll with other women. Not that they couldn't be great. Most of them would beat me, honestly. So it's not a, it's not about that. Um, but yeah, I would be super, I'd be real concerned if I like walked in on my, no, I wouldn't walk in on my wife. We get the point. Like this is not, you're not positions that are uh, appropriate any other setting in the world besides yes. when you're on a mat. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You don't generally want uh, somebody's butt or nuts in your face. Yeah. It's not, no, that's, that's exactly okay. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. But that's normal, I guess. You know, that's a, yeah, it's a normal day in BJJ. Absolutely. De- yeah. Definitely. So, um, this has been a great conversation. If people want to continue learning more about you, what you're up to, what, what are the best ways people to get at you? Social, whatever, what do you want to, where do you want people to go? Yeah, probably my website. Um, so if you are a business owner, entrepreneur, um, or you're in charge of marketing at your company, you can go to caffeine.marketing. There's no.com, just caffeine.marketing. Or if you want to connect with me in any other way, uh, my email is also on evanknox.com. And uh, get that free sales guide like I was talking about. Absolutely. So. And like I said, uh, everything will be linked in the show notes, so it's easy to get to it. Uh, one last thing here. Uh, on a social community show, I enjoy uh, challenges. And what I like to do is I like to issue 
uh, the listeners and the viewers out there a challenge. Either it, it can be anything. Either something we talked about, an idea or a concept or something completely different. Um, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to issue this week's challenge to our, our viewers and listeners. All right. I literally until this like last millisecond was going to say something else, but we're going to go with it. Um, I would challenge somebody to sit, just have a listening attitude and ask somebody who doesn't look like them. Um, either doesn't matter what color, race, gender, whatever. What is it like to be you? What is it like to be you right now in this season of life? Um, how are you interpreting it? How do you feel? How does your family feel? Uh, I feel like that sort of thing would be really enlightening. And I, I'm fortunate enough to ask a friend of that, um, you know, this last week, and it was really helpful for me. That's that's for sure. That's an amazing challenge. I love it. Thank you for 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 doing that, uh, Evan. It, it has been an absolute joy, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for for being on here. Is there anything any anything we hadn't covered? Any final thing you want to make sure people know about, or anything else you want to say? Uh, I feel like we covered a lot, um, which is really great. I think if you can just figure out what matters a hundred years from now for um, each person out there and focus on that, I hopefully that will bring them a lot of contentment and peace in their life. Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, thanks guys for sticking around here today and here. I hope you really enjoyed that interview. I really had a great time talking with Evan. Uh, if you like this show, if you think this is something that's going to help people, please, um, share this. This is the best way to help the show. It's the best way to pass on the information. Uh, sharing is caring. Knowledge is empowering. So please do share with people. If you like what we got going on, leave a like review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, in between shows, you can catch us all week long on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube if you're enjoying the video version uh, or in your favorite podcast app, if you're new to the show, make sure you hit that subscribe if you like what we have going on here. For past episodes and links to everything we talk about on the Social Chameleon Show, you can visit socialchameleon.show. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, keep transforming to the person you want to become. Mm-hmm.